All right, check out some video with me. This video is from the island or off the coast of Maui in Hawaii. It is a surfing spot that is known for being incredibly dangerous. When you see these surfers, I mean, if you, if you have to have a helicopter, I mean, really. Uh, this is called Piahi. Has anyone ever been to this beach or Jaws Beach in Maui? One of the world's top surfers explains it this way. Of all the big waves in the world, I think this beach has the most velocity. It just moves faster and hits harder. Rescue situations with the jet skis are very difficult because the liquid avalanche ends in a 300-foot cliff. Anywhere that's described as liquid avalanche, I don't think that we're taking the sand buckets and uh, beach towels out for a relaxing day. The reason that I wanted to show this to you is that Piahi, or Jaws Beach, because of how powerful the waves are, it demands a reverence. It demands the waves, the nature demands a reverence, respect and honor. You risk your life if you are careless or inexperienced and get in that water. We're talking this morning about the concept of reverence to revere. So let's begin with this definition. Reverence is devoted respect and honor that begins inside and compels an outward response. The result of reverence is to be humble toward or submit in respect of what is greater, what is powerful, what is honored. And it's reverence in the presence. When we're in the presence of what or who we revere, it compels a response. Reverence compels a response. Don't miss that. It's not just standing at a distance. Wow, that's really amazing over there. No, reverence compels a response, an active engagement, even a responsibility toward what is revered. So we saw that nature can be revered. A, a coach of a team can be revered. When that coach walks onto the field or the court or skates onto the rink, you do what the revered coach says. Because if you don't do what the revered coach says, you're not going to last on the team for very long. Reverence is devoted respect and honor that begins where? Inside. And compels an outside response. For a moment, for a season, or forever, what you say, what you do, what you think, is shaped by being in the presence of who or what you revere. So reverence is often linked to love and affection. So because we have a deep love or affection for something or someone, we respond with reverence. Reverence, now it can also be connected to fear. Reverence can be connected to fear. The outward response, the reaction, or the action is compelled by a fear that if I don't respond well, there's going to be a, a not-so-good outcome. What has developed over the last year and a half is a version of that kind of reverence for COVID-19. Now, I want you to follow with me here, okay? Follow this train of thought. The outward response, reaction, and action toward COVID is compelled. This is, I'm talking about big picture society here, right? The reaction or action toward COVID is compelled by an inward knowledge or fear 
that if there isn't a good response, there will be bad outcomes. A percentage of people will get really sick or even die. That has become personal for many, even within our own church family, where you know someone, relatives, other places. Hospitals are at or over capacity. We take the CEO of Salem Health at her word when she says we've never seen anything like this before. What we've also seen, again, within our own church family, people who have had surgeries that the doctors have said are essential surgeries. You need the surgery, but the surgery has been delayed or even canceled because it's not considered an emergency because the beds aren't available. If you are a healthcare worker or you know a healthcare worker, what you know is that there is an, uh, among the staff, there is an overwhelming right now. There is many who are burnt out emotionally or physically. Church, we can love on our healthcare workers. If you know a healthcare worker, show them some love. Maybe that means uh, bringing them dinner, giving them a gift card for some coffee, just saying that you're with them and you support them. That would go a long way right now. So because, again, in our community, in our state, in our nation, because there's an awareness or even fear about what has happened and what could happen, there's been an outward response that that has compelled, and it means different things for different people. And how you respond, how you choose to respond, respond with wisdom. But it, it, this, these are some of the ways. It's impacted getting together for some with, with family, sending the kids to school, having an event, going to an event, attending a concert or a game, eating at a restaurant, being part of a worship service like this one. Traveling, vacations, social distancing, masks, vaccines. Some say as a society we're not being careful enough and more people will unnecessarily die. Others say as a society we're being too careful and what's happening is it's costing us fullness of life. Maybe it's not been put quite this way, but here's what really seems to be at the heart of every rally, every opinion piece, every TV news debate, every social media post, every family divide, every school board eruption that we're seeing on YouTube. It's this, it's disagreement over how much reverence should be given to the coronavirus. The clash happens when two people or sides hold different positions about how we should respond. That's where the difficulty has been. Now, I know whenever we start talking about COVID, everyone like sits on the edge of their seat and you start dissecting every word I, I'm saying and you get all tense. Just relax, okay? Relax, it's gonna be okay. I didn't bring you here to elevate your blood pressure. It's gonna be okay. We have this reality that has been unlike anything we have previously experienced. So for today, here's where this connects to those of us who are followers of Christ. As we see this real life example in our culture of reverence toward a virus, towards COVID, what, all right, here we go, what a great moment, what a great moment for us to check our reverence for God. My desire is not to downplay the seriousness of COVID or the decisions that you and your family have made or are making surrounding the virus. My desire is to say that because we have experienced what it's like to watch a culture revere a virus, how much more as followers of Christ should our reverence be for our heavenly father? Where many struggle is when perceived, 
when it is perceived that decisions are being made by people who have a high reverence for COVID, but have little or no reverence for God. And let me, let me just say this. We have decision makers in our church, people who serve in elected office, people who serve in places where you have to make the decision. No one envies the decision makers right now. It's not an easy seat to be in. It's not an easy seat to be in. The decisions, they all seem easy until you're the one making the decision. So here's what we do, church. We, the word tells us, this is not something we made up, the word tells us to pray for those who are in authority. And we pray that they're praying too. We pray that their decisions will be made through God-given, spirit-led wisdom. And that they are surrounded by people who are also seeking God's wisdom and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Well, there can be well-placed, even healthy reverence to give, given to many different things. My desire is for us to leave here centered or recentered on the most, the most important recipient of our reverence. Based on what we know inside about who God is and what he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, how, how has that compelled our outward response? This is the question for us to wrestle with today. What if, what if our relationship with Christ and reverence for God directed every aspect of our life? What would it look like if as followers of Christ, if our relationship with Christ and reverence for God directed not just some, but every aspect of our life? And so this is where we come back to our two-word phrase for the year, Live connected, live connected. It's, a, it's been a year, year and a half where there's been so much pressure to live isolated, to live disconnected. We believe in living connected. Live connected to Christ. Live connected to your heavenly father. Live connected to the spirit that lives inside of you. Live connected in a faith community. And today, live connected in a relationship of reverence to God. We're talking about making the decision that relationship with Christ and reverence for God will direct every aspect of our life. So I can actually see it on your faces. You're wondering, how do I do this? I'm so glad you asked. We find the answer written in a letter to the early church. It's full of application for us today. We're gonna to look at a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a relatively smaller community called Colossae. The ruins of the city, you can still go visit them today. They're in modern-day Turkey. What Paul wrote to them then, he's writing to us now. This letter is right there for us in our Bible, translated into English in Colossians, Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 if you want to open up or power up today. Uh, Paul, he's the one who used to hate Christians. Then he had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and he became a Christian, became the most well-known missionary of all time, starting churches throughout the Roman Empire. He wrote letters to these churches. This is one of those letters, and he actually wrote this letter from prison. Paul is writing this as a prisoner in Rome. A purpose of this letter is to strengthen the way Believers then live out their faith, and it has the same purpose for us now. And so in the middle of this letter, Paul writes this, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
All right, that phrase, if you have been raised with Christ, who's Paul talking about? Believers, followers of Christ. That would be most of us in this room. If you have been raised to life in Christ, you have life in Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, seek what is above. Set your mind on what is above. Seek and set your mind on what is important to God. So we see that we actually have a choice. Every person has a choice. We have a choice. We can set our mind. We can seek what is above, what's important to God, or we can seek things that are on earth. Set your mind has also been translated as set your affection. Set your affection. Agree with, be together with God, be in harmony with what God loves. Direct your mind, seek, strive for, revere, revere God. That's one option. The other option, set your mind on what may be good for the moment, but ultimately has little value and most likely goes against what God sees as good. We have a choice. Where we set our mind, above or below, it determines how we act. It's not any answer will do, choose your own truth. God wants us to decide to put our mind on what is above. How do we do this? Well, jump down with me to verse 5. Put to death, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now, this is really strong, blunt, confrontational, direct, but even this translation appears to be more polite and PG than what was written in the original Greek. A more blunt translation might read, stop using your body parts to, you, to do what is against God. And here Paul mentions covetousness. I'm guessing you did not use this word in conversation this week. Even though we don't use this word as we're talking with our friends or texting, Texting may even autocorrect it. I don't know. Even though we don't use this word, we know we've experienced it. Covetousness means greedy desire. A greedy desire, it means I, I or you or whoever is willing to take for their own benefit or pleasure without caring about how it might hurt someone else, specifically the one who's having that taken from them. Paul says we can have such a greedy desire for something or someone that it actually becomes idolatry. And idolatry is when we give worship, affection, or attention that is supposed to be directed to God to something other than God. Verse 6. On account of these, this list that he's just given us, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. God hates sin. God hates sin. Sin, by definition, is that which is against God. Most of us, most of us, we prefer talking about the love of God. We'd rather talk about the love of God than the wrath of God. God is patient. But if we're to teach the word responsibly, we must say that there is a time coming when there is going to be a consequence for sin. Father, forgive us for anything that we have said, done, or even thought today that goes against what you think is good. This whole conversation started with reverence. Reverence for God includes an understanding that his patience for sin 
will end. Reverence for God is sourced in love and affection for his goodness and also, and also a fear of the justice and separation that his word promises is coming to those who reject him. It's heartbreaking. Many of you feel this too as you look around so many living as if there's never going to be a consequence for sin. What Paul gives us is it's a warning not to unnecessarily scare us. It is a warning that is rooted in love. The wrath of God is coming, and what is the wrath of God coming against? It's coming against sin. Verse 7, in these two, in these you two once walked, in these you two once walked, when you were living in them. As a follower of Christ, it's God's desire that what is against him will be in your past. In your past, you were once living in them. You were once using your body parts to do what is against God. You surrounded yourself with what is against God. It dominated your thought life. It dominated your purpose. Then that changed, verse 8. But now, but now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Here's where we see a list of actions that hurt others and ultimately hurt us. None of these things are life-giving. None of these are qualities in a friend. If you're, a sing- if you're single and you put your uh, profile up on a dating app, none of these describe qualities that you're looking for in a potential partner. I want someone who's dull, t- tall, dark, handsome, frequently gets incredibly angry and drops F-bombs in every other sentence. Put it away. Put it away. Here Paul says put wrath away, and this wrath is different than God's wrath. This wrath is, is rage. Rage is when we're set off and out comes a violent explosion of anger. It's when we respond and we immediately regret, regret, regret the way that we've responded and it leads us to say, I wish that I would not have responded that way. Malice, malice is when you want to hurt someone because you believe it's going to bring you some satisfaction to watch them suffer. Slander, slander is when you make false or embellished statements to hurt someone else's reputation. Paul says it's time to put that away, time to put it away. Now, there's a difference between putting away for today and putting away forever. In our house, putting away is a constant struggle. And church, I wish that I could honestly tell you that this was only limited to my children, that it was only their struggle to put away their toys and their laundry but I believe my wife would report to you, she's giving me the eye, that this occasionally is an area that I also struggle with. The concept seems simple enough. Why is it so hard for us to get? Take it out, put it away. Take it out, put it away. Now, this is, we take it, we, 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 we take it out and then we put it away, but we're ready to come back to it if needed. And church, I wonder if this is sometimes how we treat sin. We put it away, we put it away, but not for good. We put it away in storage until we need it again. We 
have a conviction about anger, and so we put away anger until something makes us angry again. Then we go into the basement of our soul and go ahead and pull out the anger, and it comes out again. This kind of put away is that Paul's talking about. It's not just like put away for now, leave it in storage until you need it again. This kind of put away is like burn it, throw it in the garbage, take it to the transfer station, drop it off at the thrift store. Remove it. Remove it. And the thrift store won't take it because no one wants your sin. And we also learned that they won't take your children's toys. What do we do with children's toys? Paul goes on to write, don't lie to each other. All this is past tense. He says, you've put on a new self. You're being renewed in the image of God. You're becoming more like Christ. So sexual immorality, impurity, lust, anger, rage, greed, lying, all of these things hold you and me back from becoming more like Christ. As long as we allow them to occupy a place in our heart and our soul, they hold us back from becoming more like Jesus. Paul told us that God wants us to put them away, put them to death. Now he tells us what to put on. How do we know that this is what God wants us to put on? Because it says, put on these, put on then. Verse 12, put on then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, here it comes, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Reverence is devoted respect and honor that is known inside and compelled and compels an outward response. Deciding that relationship with Christ and reverence for God will direct every aspect of our life. You know that eventually what we believe determines how we act. What we believe determines how we act. For a while you can fake it, but eventually what you believe, what you and I believe, is going to determine how we act. It's been said that reverence, reverence starts in the heart and is revealed in action. A reverence towards God, an honor and respect for God, a love for Christ, putting on a new self, reveals itself this way. Compassion, responding to the suffering of others. Kindness, humility, setting the needs of others above our own. Meekness, meekness is strength under control. Patience. Have you caught that these are also the character qualities of Christ? These are the character qualities of a heavenly father. Then Paul adds four and also's. Verse 14, and or and also, above all these, put on what? Put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is agape love. Agape is almost always used to describe the love that is of and from God. Agape love is about commitment. It's about faithfulness. It's striving to love other people the way that God loves us. And what does that mean? It means sometimes we love people who don't show us a whole lot of love back. Here comes two more and also's, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful, be thankful, attitude of gratitude. Do you know what, what we fill ourselves with is what is eventually gonna come out? 
What we fill ourselves with is what we come out. Fill ourselves with nothing but news and opinions, that's what's gonna come out. Fill ourselves with shows and social media, that's what's gonna come out. Fill ourselves with relationships that are based only on negativity and gossip, that's what's gonna come out. How about this? Fill ourselves with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what will overflow from our lives. There's no shortcut or substitute for God's word. There's no shortcut or substitute for God's word. It's possible, it's possible that too often we've made time. I've heard, I heard a pastor say this week that we, uh, we make time for what we wanna make time for. It's possible that too often we make time to fill ourselves with everything else but we have not invested time daily in filling ourselves with God's word. So we have these good intentions of wanting to live out our faith in Christ in all of our daily interactions, but it becomes so much harder if our tank is on empty. God intended for us to be refilled every day so that it can overflow from us. Look at how Paul puts this in, puts this in verse 16. Let the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of God fill you, dwell in you. Verse 17, key verse of the day, and whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Reverence is lived in the presence. When we're in the presence of who or what we revere, when we're in the presence of who or what we revere, who or what we revere directs what we think, what we say, and what we do. And so here Paul says, whatever you do, everything that you do, allow it to be directed by your relationship with Christ. Why? Because we're always in the presence. We're always in the presence. God is present everywhere, not just in this church. God is present everywhere. And if you are a follower of Christ today, the Spirit actually lives inside of you. You are always in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if we revere God, we're always in his presence. His Spirit lives inside of us. Because we have a reverence, allow that reverence to guide and direct all of our thoughts, our words and our actions, reverence. Let everything you say and do be guided by reverence for God and relationship with Christ. So I wanna put two lists up on the screen for you today. There's a list that has all the things that Paul says we're supposed to put away and put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, greed, anger, rage, lying, gossip. And on the other side, the qualities that Paul describes coming out of us, the outward response to an inside reverence, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love, forgiveness, thankfulness. So here's an honest reflection moment, church. Is there anything on the left-hand side that you would honestly say, I'm struggling in that area today? The more that we put away 
what's on the left-hand side of this list. And the more we move in the direction of what's on the right-hand side, the more we become like Christ. The love of Christ compels us. I want to tell you what challenges me, and, and you can, maybe this challenges you too. Questions like this. Am I giving the reverence that is supposed to be reserved for my heavenly father to something or someone other than my heavenly father? As I'm having conversations with, with friends, as we're with other people, am I more interested in steering the conversation to the despair of the day or to the goodness of God? Is it possible that there are some days I, I fall short? Do I pursue God's word with greater passion than a pursuit of what's happening in politics or other current events? Are our shouts at a political rally or cheers at a sports game more passionate than the praise that we bring in worship to our Heavenly Father? Early in the pandemic, a friend sent me a text, and I wanna to read to you what this text says, and I believe that this uh, message that he sent me has had a pretty good shelf life. He wrote this, can you imagine what would happen if us disciples of Jesus had as much adherence, reverence, and acquiescence for him and his word as we do for the virus? We might actually change and reach the world. Acquiescence, that's a big word for me. It means to accept without protest. What if, what if we believe and trust that God is who he says he is? What if we were to respect the word of God as actually being the word of God and not just one suggestion among many? What if we were to live the way that Jesus teaches us to live without protest in our heart? Church, there are legitimate concerns and cautions. We don't, leave ignorant, we don't live ignorant of what could cause harm. Each of us throughout this season, we've made decisions and we respond based on prayer, surrounding ourselves with wise counsel from other praying people. And as a result, you may decide something that's different than someone else. We're, there's space for all of us here. What we all can point to though is a reverence, the most important object of our reverence is not a what, it's a he. Reverence in the presence of God. See, we can live captivated by what ultimately is a distraction or we can be captivated by a loving God who never fails. We want to be world changers. We want to be world changers, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Father, may we bring a reverence in your presence as a result of our reverence, we want to be your prepared people, Father. 
So let me ask you before we go today, is it your desire that your heavenly father would be allowed to refine you? A refining fire, allowing him to separate out from your life the junk that holds you back from being more like Christ. Come on, churches, God allowed, would you allow him to refine you, to separate from you what's not from him? And as a result of that refining, become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Because, because, because we want to be used to share the message of hope that this world is so desperately longing for. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I know this about me. I think I know this about you. I don't want anything to hold me back from being used by God for the full extent of how he wants to use me. Praise God. God, use this church. God, use this church to share the message of hope. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Challenged today by the concept of reverence. What we've seen today is that presence demands a reverence. We saw this, these images of waves giant 100, 200, 300 foot waves off the coast of Maui that demand a reverence, that if there isn't a reverence, people get hurt. What we're challenged by today, Father, is that there may there be no greater object of our reverence than you, our Heavenly Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit that dwells inside of us. We know that we never leave your presence, it's always with us. And as a result, Father, it's our desire of, as, a, as a result of being in your presence, living in reverence, that our relationship with Christ and honor of our Heavenly Father would guide and direct everything that we think, say, and do. And Father, it's the prayer of our hearts today that you would refine us, that you would separate from us anything that's not from you. That's challenging. That's challenging. Father, we want to be used by you. We want to be used by you to do greater things. And Father, it's our desire that nothing would hold us back from all that you have for us and to do through us for your glory. In Jesus' name.